So how do we interpret our clients' needs, you know? So let's say, for example, we get an email and a client reaches out to us and they want video. How do we interpret what they are asking for? In my experience, a lot of times, clients would say, hey, we want some kind of video and we have a broad idea of what it is. Uh, but most of the times the clients may not necessarily know exactly how to flesh out their thoughts around the project. So as, as uh, filmmakers, right? Or it could be extended to, to photography too. How do we interpret what the client is in essence asking us for? So usually here's my process. So if a client's interested in what I have to offer, they like what I've done or it's through a referral and we have any our initial meeting, we'll sit down and I will just take notes. I would ask some questions and I would say, tell me why you feel that you need a video. And, and the goal is to establish the purpose for this endeavor. Uh, most of the times, you know, it's never really clear. A lot of the times it takes a little while to narrow down uh, some of the words that they're using. And we, we, we try to bring that into a couple sentences, right? So we create a document and on it is the purpose. And we try to get to a couple sentences of why we're doing what we're doing. What is it that we're that we're after? Okay, so after that's that's clear and the client agrees, yes, that's what I'm after. And I, I, I say, well, yep, I think I understand what what this means. The next thing I would ask is, okay, who is your audience? Okay, who is your audience? Who is this for? And I usually break the audience up into two audiences, your primary audience, the people who you're aiming at first. Uh, to be impacted by this uh, piece of media and to your secondary audience, the people who may see it, but they may not necessarily be the focus of your target. And the answer to this question to me is the most important answer in the entire process, because once we really begin to understand who this is for, who the audience is, and we do like a deep demographic to dive into who the audience is, then we could understand what kind of aesthetics, right? What kind of aesthetics can go into the film. This particular answer determines your composition. It determines the pace of your film. It determines your messaging. It determines the psychology of the film. And that's what we're going to talk about today, how psychology impacts media. Welcome to the 1.7 podcast. The place where creatives get to speak the truth about ourselves, our art, and our place in the world. So we've all been there, guys. We all we, we've all been at this point 
where our clients have come to us with some work and we have listened to them we understand the purpose we've talked about the audience we go to the next step you know and we're like okay so what are the key three points that this piece is going to communicate to people that are, are watching it etc etc and then we come to the part where we ask ourselves what aesthetics do i use for this project for this film what's the aesthetics and here's the thing that i always try to encourage uh, especially young creatives about right um and i did a class on this when i was teaching at at the, at the university right your aesthetic right what you the the look of your film the aesthetic behind your film is a psychological medium right so let's break it down even further right so a medium in essence is a channel right you've heard this before the medium is the message right we talked about that so the medium in itself right in essence is a channel through which your message can travel okay so in films films need to have a certain aesthetic right photographers depending on your style there's a certain aesthetic and there is some psychology tied to aesthetics right if you are shooting a horror film you're creating a piece of horror there's a certain aesthetic that goes with that 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 works psychologically for the audience and if it doesn't land with the right lighting and the right pace right it doesn't feel like it's a horror film right comedy has a a creative aesthetic to it right uh superhero films has a certain aesthetic to it so as creatives right especially as a videographer one of the things that i really dove into right away and i've always asked myself and i consider this in my films right i consider this right how the psychology of media will impact the film and how can i use the psychology of media to impact and keep my clients happy based on who they're targeting and one way is for example if we are shooting a we're you know we're doing a corporate video let's say we're doing a corporate video so so the corporate world has a certain aesthetic already right so companies they want compositions that build trust right so most of the times uh we won't shoot corporate videos uh handheld right so corporate videos has a certain uh level of pristine around them it has to be clean uh no no distractions uh in the frame just really focusing on what the talent is saying and the reason is is that usually with corporate videos a key value to the piece is clarity right so in corporate videos a key value to the piece is clarity so as people are um if a corporate client comes through and they hire you uh they've usually spent probably 
millions or billions of dollars on their messaging and their branding. So as you put people in front of the, the camera, it's important to have clarity of message. And because clarity is important, a lot of the times we would ensure that the way we set our composition, the way we light it, enhances the fact that there aren't going to be any distractions in the frame so that you can get the message of what's being said to you. And especially with corporate videos, I try to be as concise and uh, as possible. Right. So in that regard, there is a there is a, a, a psychological element based on the audience. OK, based on the demographic and the audience that impacts how I frame the shots, how I like the shots. Right. Uh, how we script it, all of that stuff, the psychology of what we're trying to to land impacts all of the creative decisions along the way. And that's an important piece. Um, I, at times, have shot weddings and people would ask us, right? So if you were to look at our weddings, if you go to zandaliweddings.com or you visit our Instagram at Zandali Media, right? And you look at our weddings and people would always ask me, they would say, so you don't really do the documentary style of weddings. And I'd be like, nah, that's not my thing. You don't usually put you lead lead in with speeches, etc. I'm like, nah, that's really not my thing. And they'll be like, well, how did you land on this on this style? And I'll share with you a little of the of the journey for me. And this is my preference per se, but there is a reason for it. So when I looked at, at wedding videos initially, um, and this was ah, probably a, a, a while ago, I would say, um, most of the creatives at that time was trying to imitate reality TV. So the wedding videos, they looked like reality TV. Okay. So the shots from the wedding videos looked like re 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 reality TV. Everything about the video looked like reality TV. And I never liked it. I, I, and I'll tell you why I never liked that style of wedding videos, even though it was very popular because wedding because uh, reality TV was very popular, right? I never liked that style because all of the creative decisions, the framing, the lens choices, the, uh, you know, the conversations, the, you know, the use of the audio, all of those decisions look like reality TV without the key element that makes reality TV interesting to watch. And that missing element was conflict, right? So in my opinion, there was a duplication of the reality TV, but there was a missing element of the actual medium and it always felt funny to me, right? So what would happen in essence is that the, you know, the clients would, would love that because they're actually in the film. Right. And this was just on the, on the beginning end of 
social media starting to take off. And when I looked at it, I just felt that there was a better, there was a better way to, to culminate a wedding day in my approach. So I chose more of what we would consider the montage style, right? The montage style has been around in film for a very, very, very long time. And the montage is usually, you know, set to music, etc. right? So how we used it, we used it in, in slow-mo and we set it to music. Sometimes we would use the speeches, but not necessarily always. Or if the bride feels that it requests something, we would do that. And here is why we use the style that we use. There, there is a thing called the Phi Phenomenon. You got to look that up, right? It's called the Phi Phenomenon. And what it is, it is the perception of seeing, right? It is the perception of seeing. So for example, 24 frames per second is 24 pictures in a second 30 30 pictures in a second or frames 60 you get the point right and our brain the camera's taking these these pictures and our brain somehow is perceiving the movement our brain is doing some work to tie these frames together in our minds and then we see them as movement right and that perception is called the five phenomenon it's a psychological thing that's happening that causes us to perceive motion so um i thought of that and and it comes back to again medium and and the way we carry our message as creatives right it's really it's really a psychological process it's a psychological um endeavor or or, or journey that we're in essence embar em embarking on so here's why we chose slow-mo and we do it a lot in our films we are of the belief that there's no reason for us and this is our choice as filmmakers to attempt to tell a story, right? Our primary audience, right? In the, as a wedding video, our primary audience, right? Is the couple and the family, right? Those are the two audiences. So if we were to look at the couple and the family, in our opinion, they already come with stories of the couple, right? History of the couple. So for us, we as filmmakers, we, we, we just sit back right throughout the day and we capture the day in a cinematic way because we believe that the stories are already there, right? So the stories are already there. So let's say the couple is coming down the aisle first time as a couple, they've just got married. If you look at our videos, a shot we use all the time. I'm on a gimbal. I go very, very low, right? Um, 
um, on a fairly wide lens, maybe about 12, right? Uh, so you can see off at the ends of the shot, you can actually see the, um, the audience clapping for them as they walk. And I use all this stuff in slow-mo, why? Because of what slow motion does to the brain. It's psychological. It's a psychological choice for which I am using because I know that my audience, when they look at that, right? Slow motion has a sense of suspended animation or the slowing down of time. You see? So I know when mom and dad and, and relatives look at that, they are experiencing the past. They're experiencing the moment right now. And many of them are experiencing hope of what they hope would happen for the couple in the future. So there is a reason that we use slow-mo in our videos and we try to get these cinematic moments right that are what i would call them visually new we try to give people um scenes and composition that they don't usually see so a lot of times i don't always like shooting in 50 they say 50 is closest to the human eye great that's awesome okay I want to see stuff. I want to feel stuff that I don't usually feel and see with my eye, right? So a lot of our shots are a little lower. Some of them are a little higher. Some of them are a little wider. We want it to feel a little cinematic uh, in our composition. And the reason we do that is because we understand the psychological impact of the art that we do and we believe that certain aesthetics, whether it's the slow motion aesthetic, is a psychological medium that help people experience things. There is a, uh, a guy that you guys need to check out because this is for real. His name is Edward Barnes. Edward Barnes is considered in essence the, the grandfather, the godfather of PR, all right? So it's important to understand this. This dude, I'll tell you, I'll tell you about this guy. So this guy was hired by the tobacco industry to sell cigarettes, right? So Edward, how can we sell cigarettes? Well, Edward is in PR, but the basis of PR is psychological right right psychology right how do we use medium to get people to do things that they probably won't do okay so he created a campaign called torches of freedom right right back then there was the women liberation you know times were changing women were going out into the workplace um, there was a big, massive feminist movement and there was the women liberation movement. That's what was happening. So what Edward came up with, he came up with a campaign called Torches of Freedom. And in essence, he ran a campaign that tied freedom 
for women to cigarettes. He ran a campaign that tied freedom for women to cigarettes. So if college women back then wanted to be free, they would smoke cigarettes. Let that sink in. If folks wanted to be free, they would smoke cigarettes. They would see it in the movies. They would see it in ads. It was cool. The tobacco industry, right? Tied patriotism and freedom, right? For women to cigarettes. And it worked. Raised up a generation of smokers. The psychology of media. As creators, we really need to understand this in our art. We need to understand that what we use and what we are doing is a medium for a message. And if you understand your audience and you really understand them, then you can create better work that actually lands and your clients are, are happy and you're happy and then you get paid, right? But if you fail to learn this, right, to understand this, then most creatives are just going to create what they like, right? And maybe your client might be, yeah, this is hot right now, okay? but you may lose future employment because um, you fail to understand that there are, I don't know, hundreds of years of, of data as to how people respond. I mean, look at, look at ads, right? Take for ex example, let's say you, you go into Target and you get like a, a target ad like a news newspaper ad you know those those coupon things that you get in your paper or something and you open it and it's like target and you got all these products listed right and then you go to a magazine and in the magazine they're selling you a bottle of perfume and the bottle of perfume is sitting out on a lake by itself right with the early morning mist rising on the lake, right? Which would you ascribe more value to? All the ads that are all together, all the products that are all together, or this perfume that's all on a lake kind of by itself? And the answer is the perfume. And the reason that is, is because there is some psychological uh, behavior tied to ads that have more space in the ad, right? Whether it's print or whether it's video, right? If the ad has more space in it, it's perceived to be of higher value and more desirable to be obtained. But if you run an ad with, you know, your product is right up against the sides and the, the borders right there, right? Um, 
it builds more anxiety and it, is, it implies that what you have to offer um, isn't as great value and it might be cheaper and you might attract a certain audience, right? But the perfume ad or that car ad that looks more spacious or that wine ad that's spacious and exquisite will attract a certain type of client. Understanding the psychology of media um, helps us create. It's helped me build a brand that I stick with. I, I definitely know my lane. Um, I've used this process to determine uh, what my shots are going to be, what's going to be in my videos, the pace of my videos. Uh, and there are certain things that I do, right? There are certain things that I personally do and other people, other creatives, there are certain lanes that they're in because they are good at communicating um, and hitting on those psychological chords. All right. So anyways, that's all that I've got for our tonight. It's been a real interesting week um, trying to get out and play some soccer twice a week well twice a weekend so i was out there i played earlier today and then i played yesterday i've got a crazy week coming up so i appreciate you guys coming on i definitely appreciate you guys listening and uh, as we continue to grow be sure to uh like and subscribe and share uh we're putting together uh message me too on 1.7 podcast ask me questions whatever you know, um, we're also going to be putting some of this stuff on YouTube so we can you guys could chime in there. And again, I don't I don't see myself as an expert in any of these things. Uh, you know, video production is so broad. It's so broad, man, um, that you can find certain niches that you can um, you can kind of build for yourself. And I have. I have a, a certain niche that I have in essence built um, and this is just to come on and just to share and to, to talk about some of the things that us as creatives seldom talk about. I, I definitely peruse YouTube all the time and I'm always getting a lot of great, great, great content about gear and different things like that. Um, but this is about uh, the heart to heart and uh, some other things that we don't usually talk about. One of this. One of the, sorry, some of the things that we don't usually talk about. And tonight we were able to kind of explore how, you know, psychology impacts the creative process and what we're doing. And hope you you uh, was able to learn a little bit about my process too. All right, guys, great chatting, great ch talking. With, all right, let's end that again. All right, guys, great chatting. Thank you for stopping by. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to the 1.7 podcast. We'd really do appreciate you taking your time out of your day to give us a listen. And we do hope that you really got something today out of the conversation. Be sure to follow us. We definitely want to be friends over at Instagram at Zandley Media. Until next time, keep creating. Let's go.